Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. It's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Let's get into it. As I uh, hope you know, we concluded our annual Candid Coaches series last week with, with one final question that we did not discuss in last Thursday's episode. The question is a simple one. It's one we ask every year. Who will be the best team in college basketball this season? Unsurprisingly, Kansas was the leading vote getter, 45.4% of the vote. Purdue was second with 17.9% of the vote. So KU did not get the majority of the votes, but KU did finish 27.5 percentage points ahead of anybody else. Deadleg, what'd you make of what the coaches told us about who they believe will be the sports best team this upcoming season? As I answer this, I implore you because I'm curious on your highest ranked team in the top 25 and one that did not receive a vote by the coaches. Maybe you already know that, but if not, pull that up because I'm curious to see what that... uh... I do not know it off the top of my head, but let's run through it. Kansas got votes, obviously. Number two, Purdue got votes. Number three, Duke got votes. Number four, Florida Atlantic got votes. Number five, Michigan State got votes. Number six, Marquette got votes, I believe. Yes. Yes. Number seven, Houston. Yes. Did not get any vote. No, they did. did. Did get votes. Yeah. Okay, Houston got votes. Number eight, UConn. Yes. Got votes. Number nine, Creighton. No. All right. Jays. So that's the highest ranked team. Now, I am prone to think that, um, well, and, and I even know that, yeah, the coaches are obviously, and understandably so, like they're, you know, some of this is conventional wisdom. Some of it might be, uh, let me check in on what uh, Gary Parrish might have ranked in the offseason. Because I, as always, when I do this and I hit up some coaches and we get to this question, sometimes coaches know it. Sometimes they're like, all right, give me what your rankings say. Give me give me the top 10 teams or so. And so for at least at least, you know, 20 to 25 coaches I talked with, I gave them your top 10 and they essentially were picking from that, which is which is 
fair and understandable. But yeah, Creighton was the highest ranked team that you have that didn't receive a vote. Kansas, I, 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 want, I want to say oh. something. But, and I might have to own a mistake here. I swear I think I got a Creighton vote. <laughs> But I don't think okay. I tabulated a great book. It's, it's, it's been published. I know. It's too late. But I have a recollection now that I'm thinking through it. I believe I did get a Creighton vote, but it somehow did not get tabbed. That's on me. It is on you. I also don't let coaches vote for their own team on this. So um, I didn't talk to Tom Izzo for this series this year. But had I talked to Tom Izzo, I don't allow coaches to co- vote for their own team. Because if you do that, then you sometimes can, you know, disproportionately weight the uh, the response pool there. But most coaches won't vote for their own team. Although I allow it. Yeah. But I do have I think at least three coaches who voted for their own team. Got it. Yeah, I, I just prefer them to uh, pick someone else just uh, just to, you know, the same way that they have to do it for the coaches poll for USA Today. You're not allowed to vote for your own team. I just stick with those with those rules overall. Kansas lapped the field. 45.4%. Purdue was second, 179 Duke and Michigan State tied in our last game of coaches. And then there's a gap. Um, I will not be picking Kansas to be the preseason number one team only because now we are we are approaching the stage where there are too many people saying it and there have been plenty of instances in preseasons past where there has been uh, an overwhelming favorite uh, and an understandable pick to be the number one team. But in the interest of, uh, of maybe dodging the wisdom of crowds, uh, too many people are in Kansas at this point. And so I will not be taking Kansas breaking news when I do my top 101, but here comfortably the best. And it obviously has to do with Bill self Hunter Dickinson, who was, you know, the most well-known and coveted transfer on the market and Kansas has, good basically every single season so it's all grounded in a lot of practicality rationality and and uh and the fact that like it's hard to see how kansas won't be one of the five best teams but i disagree with the margin by which kansas won this um you know kansas winning by more than double the vote of of second place purdue uh to me is just a it's i don't think i don't think it's going to separate itself i don't think we're going to look up in the middle of the season GP and see that Kansas is by far and away the best team with the best resume and the team that's second or third, um, you know, is, is reasonably behind. I don't think that's going to be the case whatsoever. I think that Purdue Duke, Michigan state Marquette, um, those are probably the most likely ones that can um, certainly usurp Kansas, but even hold on to the number one ranking more weeks than the Jayhawks. I, I, I don't know that Kansas will, establish itself as far and away clearly the best team in the country but i do think on paper it's pretty obvious to me that this is the best team in the country Uh, we've talked about it before i had them number one in the top 25 and one even while i was projecting kevin mcculler to not return to school so i had him number one without kevin mcculler so when he comes back and you now return on the wing a uh, national defensive player of the year semifinalist who averaged double dig- digits in points. Well, now you're even better than I thought you were going to be uh, again on paper when I already had you number one in the country. Um, they've got one of the best point guards in the country. They got one of the best bigs in the country. They got one of the best defensive wings in the country. And then, and and just for people who are unfamiliar, the point guard is Dewan Harris. The big is Michigan transfer Hunter Dickinson, Kevin McCullough on the wing. On each side of him, uh, Nick Timberlake, a guy who shot above forty-one percent from three 
on 6.7 attempts per game last season yeah. um, is, is, you know, ready to go. And then KJ Adams is, a you know, a, a still blossoming power forward who averaged double digits in scoring last season. And I, I believe started something like uh, 36 games for the big reigning big 12 champs. So like, I like every part of that starting lineup. It has, um, Arguably the best run your team point guard in the country. It's got shooting. It's got size. It's got um, uh, you know at least one great perimeter defender that you can throw out there, and so you'll lock this guy up. And then maybe the best big in the country, maybe the best big in the country, not named Zach Eady. You're going to bring five star freshman El Marco Jackson off the bench. I'm assuming Arterio Morris is a former five star prospect. Borderline five-star, but right there, he's coming off the bench. That starting lineup of Harris, Timberlake, McCullough, Adams, Dickinson, if that's it, they combined already to play parts of 17 seasons of college basketball. So I don't know that you have to check every single box of these things that we put up in front of you to be a national champion, but Kansas checks just about every one of them. Are you experienced? Yes. Do you have a great coach? Yes. Do you have a great point guard? Yes. Do you have a, a great dominant big? Yes. Do you have defensive versatility? Yes. Do you have shooting? Yes. Do you have depth? Yes. The only thing, and I would ask you this, that, that Kansas might not have on paper that you typically have to have, typically, not always, but typically have to have to win a national championship, undeniable NBA talent. Who, who's the undeniable NBA player on the roster? It's not there. At this point, it's not there. I mean, I mean, it might be the freshman, right? Yeah, um, uh, potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait. Particularly, uh, El Marco Jackson. I can't wait right. to watch him play. Love seeing him as a recruit. And there's a chance that uh, you know, I would think that your projection is right, and Jackson could be the best or among the best off the bench freshmen in the country next season. Again, the freshmen that are good enough to start wouldn't make that. Uh, wouldn't be in that box and that distinction there. So there is that. And um, I just want to see, I think I mentioned this on our Kansas shooter on episode. Uh, I do think over the course of season depth certainly matters, particularly if you face injury issues. I don't think Kansas would rank in the, my top three or four uh, amongst the teams in the top 10 in terms of overall depth. They've got a really good starting five and I'm not surprised they won the poll. Uh, I think Dewan Harris is tremendous and is maybe the best traditional point guard in the country that we have. I mean, he's not looking to get his own. He's looking to distribute. He's a really, really good defender as well. And if he really establishes a way of of bringing these pieces together, you know, because Dickinson is a new piece, Timberlake's a new piece, Jackson's a new piece. And if you do that and build upon what you already have with KJ Adams and Kevin McCuller, then you got something great. I'm not saying Kansas won't be great. I think Kansas will be great. I just feel like we are approaching a little bit of groupthink here with Kansas is going to be the number one team. And I don't have it up in front of me, but more often than not, I know because I've been approaching this and looking at this every single off season when we get to September, October, when I'm building out the, the overall preseason rankings. And it usually winds up that that team, it's not even that team doesn't win the national championship. It's when you get to the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, more often than not, that does not wind up being the case. Um, so Kansas gets roughly 45% of the vote from the coaches. Again, more than double anybody else. Um, if you're 
wondering how the voting actually played out. You can find it, of course, at CBSSports.com. Kansas, 45.4% of the vote. Purdue got 17.9. Duke at 12.3. Tied with Michigan State at 12.3. And then nobody else got more than 4.7% of the vote. That was Marquette. Of the teams that got votes, Kansas, Purdue, Duke, Michigan State, Marquette, Florida Atlantic, UConn, Gonzaga, Houston, and Kentucky. If I am acknowledging that I think somebody did vote for uh, Creighton, uh, then the highest-ranked team in my yeah. top 25 and one that would have not gotten a vote from the coaches would be number 10, Miami. Should Miami Dang, have gotten a vote, dead leg? Ooh, do you, do you uh, eh, I mean, we're, we're asking who they think is going to be the best team in the country next season. Well, I, don't know if Miami, I don't know if Miami should have, should have gotten a vote, but um, – that was a final four team from a season ago. Just missed out. Two other final four teams did get there. And how about FAU getting more votes than UConn in this thing? Now, FAU brings back all but one piece from a final four team and the team that won more games last season than any team in the country. Yes, reigning champs, UConn included. UConn lost you know, three important pieces to the professional ranks there. So it's on some levels understandable. But the FAU hype tour continues. And, uh, and a couple of coaches I spoke with it wasn't even like a courtesy one. It was like, no, here's why I think it's going to be FAU. Because when you look at how they won, how composed they were, ton of poise. I love the way that Dusty May uses his rotations, how deep that team is. Like It's a legitimate team. I think they've got a really good chance at being the best team in the country. I didn't think FAU was going to get a single vote in this thing, but it got a, it got a handful of them. And it, it outpaced UConn, Gonzaga, Houston, Kentucky, the Owls moving in to the American Athletic Conference. We, of course, did a standalone shoot-around episode on Dusty May's crew as well and winds up coming in six overall in this poll. Um, they'll be among the most intriguing storylines heading into the season because people are going to want to see if last year was just a, a one-year flash in terms of overall impact. Dusty May's done a good job since year one there or if they can repeat this and wind up being a ranked team for most, if not all, of the season. And they are working on a non-league neutral site game against Arizona in Las Vegas. Is that done yet? That's done. I had mentioned that on the shooter on episode because that was on and then it was off. And I believe FAU thought it was going to be off for good because FAU was not the one that, that stopped that from happening and good on uh, dusty may and his staff to, uh, to get Tommy Lloyd to, to do that and pin it down there. So yeah, FAU's schedule, I don't have it in front of me, but they've got a number of high profile games. They're going to play Illinois, and the Jimmy V as well. Uh, they have actually scheduled. Here's the thing. They have actually Wish scheduled. Wish we're here to see that. Yeah, I know. It's too bad. RIP, Tom. Um, they have scheduled extremely ambitiously. And so we'll deal with this more when we get to, uh, I guess, preseason and end season. But I think it's possible that FAU winds up being a little bit better than its record might reflect because they are really going after it in the non-conference. And if they wind up winning more games than not against those name opponents, then then really look out. Then the, the preseason standing that Parrish has in the polls is going to wind up coming true. But yes, Arizona FAU, I guess was the most recent notable non-conference game to come out. And that was, uh, that came out a couple of days ago and that'll be on December 23rd. So nudging right up against, against Christmas and uh, yeah, the owls, point here is that they are considered you break down our voting here to be the top six team heading into the season according to the 100 plus coaches that we spoke to and obviously this will this is a preview of what the coaches poll from the usa today will be won't exactly match up uh entirely but you can best believe that you know stuff like this and 
preseason rankings. Coaches look at those to inform themselves. So you're getting an early window as to uh, what those official rankings will look like when they come out in about six weeks or so. There's nothing I want more this season than for Florida Atlantic to be awesome. I don't want to deal with. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with the nonsense. No, no, we just did an episode. You said there's nothing more. I want this. You said something else. What was it? Last episode. People that listened or listened recently. Yeah, I'm changing everything. Yeah, no. You said there's nothing more. I want this season. There was something. I'm evolving. Yeah, no. I'm evolving as a man. You were like, I want four things this season. Right. I can't remember what that. One of them was for Marquette to miss the tournament. I remember that was one of them, but I can't remember the other three. but yeah, add the, add the FAU. I want Purdue. This is what I want. Yeah, I want, want Purdue, Purdue to make the Final Four. Four. Yeah, you want that. Yeah. I want Gonzaga to win a national championship. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I want... You want Rick Pitino and St. John's to go to the tournament. Yes. That was yes, one yes, yes. Yep. And I want Florida Atlantic to just be awesome. I, I don't even know what that means. I just, I just want it to be, if I tweet on February 1st, man, Florida Atlantic is awesome. Nobody will have anything to say to me. They'll just oh, have to like it. Good luck. They'll just have to like that. They'll just have to be. They'll just have to go. I like that GP. Florida Atlantic is awesome. That's what I want. Those are the four things. I. Those are the five things I want. All right. That's shame helpful. about Aaron Rodgers, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you hate to see him go down like that. Obviously, long time. I'm rocking the Bears hat here today. Um, don't like to see. <laughs> that's a hell of a pivot. Um, <laughs> but that is. Uh, Man, oh man! I mean, Jets fans, I feel for you. Okay, I listen. This, this connects to me because you wait the entire offseason. You open the season against the Packers, Jordan Love. You're at home, and then it's just the same old story. And then, so you're a Jets fan. You got all this hype. You had Hard Knocks come in. You think, come on, this is gonna be a not necessarily you're winning Super Bowl. You got hopes that you're gonna, you know, cruise in the playoffs. Dude plays four. Snaps, and we don't technically know that's a torn Achilles at this hour as we record this podcast. I think what they're never wrong about that. That's I can you ever remember the last time no. a projected torn Achilles was like, you know, it's a calf strain. No, if they say torn Achilles or if they say torn ACL, it's that's what it is. Like, I'm an, a, I'm an ACL survivor and a doctor. And a doctor. I did not perform my own surgery, but I remember this. I got, uh, I, I suffered an injury and um, I, a, a trainer got me like right off the field and like really just like did this with my leg, just did some yeah, of this yeah. stuff, yeah. just pull. And, yeah. and he was like, yeah, that's a torn ACL. They knew within four seconds of touching me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, when, when they come out last night and they're like, ah, we, we're, we're fearful that it's an Achilles, then then that's what it's going to be. It's a shame. It's a shame about Aaron Rodgers and Indiana, you know, if you think about it. No, I didn't. They both What's had a rough little stretch, you know? Okay. All right. Yeah. Fox Sports wants to create a postseason tournament for 16 Big Ten, Big 12, and Big East teams that did not make the NCAA tournament. That's the report from our friend Seth Davis. Simply put, Fox has uh, media rights deals. Uh, with those three conferences. So it would like to take the best 16, according to the net, that didn't make the NCAA tournament, and they play a single elimination tournament after the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament. Do we really need this? I'll ask Deadleg next. First, though, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So Seth Davis reported it. Uh, Deadleg wrote about it, confirmed it. Fox Sports is in the process of trying to create a 16-team postseason tournament with the best 16 teams from the Big Ten, Big 12, and Big East that did not make the NCAA tournament. In other words, teams that would theoretically be headed to the NIT would now be headed to this Fox Sports tournament um, to, to play uh, in Las Vegas the week after the Elite Eight. So I won't bother asking you the, the why, because it's pretty obvious the why. Um, Fox Sports wants to create inventory. They have media rights deals with these three conferences and on a very basic level it sounds like um fox sports has decided why are we going to let some of our members that we control go play in an nit controlled by espn when we can create something similar if not better than the nit put it all in one spot in las vegas and we can have our uh fox uh uh connected basketball teams playing on Fox or FS1 instead of uh, on, on ESPN. That that seems to be the motivation. Um, do we need this? I understand why they're doing it. If I were running Fox, I would probably try to do it. It makes sense to me. But from my perspective, you, you know what this is? And I say this as respectfully as I can say it. It's more um, postseason basketball games featuring teams that were either average or bad that I will not watch mm-hmm. or write about or talk yeah. about or pay attention to at all. I won't. Yeah. You can ask me four months after it's over. <laughs> GP, who won that thing? And I won't know. I'll guess in four days. I, I will four, guess Penn four State. hours. I will guess Penn State blindly, right. but I don't know. I will not know, but I will guess Penn State. All right. So. Part of the why of this um, is that Jordan Bejant used to be a coach's agent and he became a Fox Sports executive in the past couple of years. But he still obviously has very good relationships with a lot of these coaches because either uh, he represented them or just knew them because that was the nature of his job. And now he works in Fox Sports and does a number of things. But obviously, the, the college basketball division falls under his umbrella. And so he is, in part, using a lot of his relationships to try and sell this thing. I was told on Monday by multiple sources that uh, and Seth had this in the story. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I actually didn't have this piece of information confirmed, so I didn't put it in mind, but Seth reported that Charlie Baker, the new NCAA president, like he got wind of this and asked the conferences to step away from this idea. Cause this was talked about uh, in previous months and then realignment started happening. And then Fox kind of, you know, circled back and was like, all right, well let's, let's maybe try and do this again. And uh, the ACC and SEC, I'm told, are not 100% out, but they are way more hesitant to this. Now, the ACC and SEC obviously have the two primary deals with ESPN. And so 
I don't like the idea whatsoever. I get the I, I get the the notion that a lot of college basketball fans won't necessarily love this idea. Uh, but that's the why of a lot of it's happening on top of what GP mentioned here. It is fraught with flaws. This notion that you would have average to bad high major teams, right? That people are frankly sick of even seeing on their televisions by the time we get to early March. Their own fans don't even want to watch them anymore. Right. So let me run down the reasons why this is stupid and shouldn't happen. Um, You will have those teams seasons end anywhere from, I mean, with the, with conference expansion, it could literally be from anywhere of the Monday of championship week till technically, you know, if there's a long shot that makes a title game on a Sunday, like anywhere from that Monday to Sunday, their season would end because these are obviously teams that don't make the NCAA tournament. So then you have two plus weeks. In some cases, it could be close to three weeks where these teams are. I'm not going to say sitting around because, you know, if they were going to engage and play in this, like they're going to practice, but they're not going to play. They're going to have the longest stretch by far. It's not even close of not playing a competitive game the entire season. Also, so you got you to figure that Two, not all. Maybe not even most, but obviously there will be a handful of these programs that will wind up making coaching changes. Why? Because they are in high major leagues. And when you are in a high major league and you fail to make the NCAA tournament, if your coach is not in year one, year two, or year three, uh, the likelihood of him getting canned obviously increases exponentially. It's unreasonable to think that an athletic director would hold off firing a coach because his team is going to go play in a 16-team afterthought of a tournament. So, okay, you say, well, he fires him anyway, then an interim coach winds up coaching. Yeah, I guess, but... That's what where we're we, headed. This is going to be just like we, bowl games. It's going yeah, to be just like... Yeah, exactly. It's okay, going to be just so, like bowl games. And Nick, if I'm an athletic director, if my team goes to this tournament and I want to fire my coach... I'm firing I'm, my coach. There's no coach that's getting that's holding on to his job. You have to get into the marketplace to get your next guy. I'm firing my coach. We're promoting an interim, and we'll go play in this stupid tournament in Las Vegas. And, and on top of that, the but other that, thing... But you will... I, I promise you this. You will see interim coaches coaching in this Fox Sports tournament. It's a 100% guarantee if, it's, if this thing comes to be. And by the way, like I did... I, I talked to three sources with this, and... Um, they were varying in their confidence, but all three sources said that ultimately, don't know a timetable, could be two years, it could be five. They said, ultimately, I think it's more likely than not it happens. None of them went as far to say I'm guaranteeing it will happen. The other thing is player participation. So um, there would be a third-party name, image, and likeness component. At least that's the hope, that's the pitch that's expected to be part of this to entice these players who have been a part of disappointing seasons to stick around and play now, given the current climate of where we are with the transfer portal, to expect that you would also have full rosters. You mentioned the bowl thing. You beat me to the punch on that. You already have this in football. You even had it in basketball last season where a number of players, who was like Michigan had, uh, what, Jed Howard? Like there were definitely players that whose teams played in the NIT and they did not play in the NIT. If you think that these players are sticking around for this on top of that, I got news for you. That's not going to happen. It's just, it's just not going to happen because on top of all this, these players that are going into the portal are going to expect more in money by going into the portal than they would probably ideally get by playing in this thing for two, three, four games or whatever it might be. So I just don't think anyone really wants this. It also two more things. And then it's, it's all you to take away here. Um, this obviously threatens the NIT um, kind of like behind the scenes, behind the scenes. The NIT is a huge bill. It's costing teams a lot of money. Not all, uh, some teams, not all teams, depending on how you get seated in place in that thing, how often you have to travel. Like it is a big strain on some schools, travel budgets. And 
the NIT as an entity, it's not like on the verge of going extinct or anything like that, although something like this would certainly help uh, precipitate its its demise because you would be trying to make this an, uh, only a mid-major thing. Or I don't even know if the SEC and the ACC aren't even in it. This whole, this whole thing looks weird as is, but um, this threatens that, which is obviously owned and run by the NCAA, I, I, I just don't like that idea on its face. I don't I don't I don't like the idea of, of a TV network kind of creating an invitational, um, which also speaks to the the one other thing to connect to this that has some people really with uh, with their antennas up on this. And it's this idea that a television network would create a tournament for postseason purposes that says we're just going to pick the teams from the conferences that we want to pick and have these teams involved, which is the big, bad, scary idea down the road that ultimately that's what the NCAA tournament eventually transforms into when you have these television networks that convince these uh, athletic directors and commissioners and presidents to say, no, let's just do it this way. This is an idea that kind of puts the fork and knife on the table. It doesn't cook the meal. It doesn't do anything like that. But it's the thing that would portend that potentially maybe one day, someday to possibly happen down the road. Obviously, I'm very, very, very against that idea. So, I'm not rooting for this thing to happen. I don't think it's a great idea. I think it would be a complete afterthought, but there's some of the why and some of the how of it would go. Okay. I agree with you that it would be a total afterthought. I agree with you that we, you and I, in college basketball in general, do not need this. I, I will, just to circle back, because, you know, you said this, or maybe I said it, like this stupid tournament. Um, it, it, it's stupid in the sense that if it never happens, it's fine with me. If it does happen, I don't imagine I'll pay much attention to it or any attention to it. But from Fox's perspective, I want to be clear about this. If I'm Jordan, I, 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 this makes sense from his perspective. It, we, just because we don't need it doesn't mean there's not um, a benefit from Fox creating it. You're, you're mean, just it's creating a benefit, it. It's a benefit only to Fox. And yes. these games would happen, you know, sometime, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, some of that window after the Elite Eight and before the Final Four kicks off, which uh, last thing, and I'll shut up, GP. Um, and this is something that most people really, I guess, won't really care about. But I did hear from a few coaches like that's for like going to the final four where it's like the it's right. the big pilgrimage for coaches, the D3 coaches you've never heard of. And and the Hall of Famers to kind of all go convene. It's actually a very good morale building thing, the final four for the sport. And this is just another thing that tears away from it. And so I heard from two coaches on on Monday that were also like I, this. We're, well, we trying to we trying to also trying to peel away from the luster of the final four with this because we got to have you know 16 crappy teams from high major conferences go play a tournament in vegas so i, I thought that point wasn't uh yeah. you know complete with it I, I agree with that um but again jordan bejant works for fox sports right he should be doing what he thinks is best for fox sports and i actually do think creating this tournament to a create inventory for fox sports but also to keep fox sports associated programs away from ESPN, like that's all good for Fox Sports. I get it. Like if if Jordan ran this idea by me, I'd say, yeah, I, I, that makes I, – I, I would say I won't watch it or care, but I understand why you're doing it. Makes sense mm -hmm. to me. Um, I all, What also makes sense to me is that Charlie Baker would go to them and say, hey, please don't do this. But what also makes sense to me is Fox Sports would look at Charlie Baker and say, uh, double bird. Like, well, you're not going to tell us what to do. <laughs> like, why? It, your motivations are, are just as uh, – um, uh, just as obvious as ours. You own the NIT, so you don't want us taking teams from the NIT. Uh, but you're also not going to tell us what to do. And yeah. then ESPN, like you mentioned, the ACC, SEC are unsure. I can't imagine ESPN would allow them to be a part of this. If you're ESPN, don't you just lean on them and say, because 
You are then you're saying, oh, sure. If you qualify for that tournament, go play in that tournament, which means you won't be in our tournament. Why would you do that? Yeah, that's yeah. We didn't mention that. That's that's obviously a stipulation here. Is if if this actually gets done and it's agreed to, if you're in these leagues, you have to go and play in this tournament. You cannot opt to play in the. Yeah. Event. So why would ESPN allow that? If you're ESPN, you just tell you just tell the, uh, the ACC and in the SEC, you just say no. You're not doing that. Period. Like I, from my perspective, that's a three second conversation. Hey, um, ESPN, we were thinking about you know at Fox, they're doing this postseason tournaments out in Vegas, sixteen teams. Uh, they want us to be a part of it. What do you think? No. Okay. That's it. Like you're, you're not doing, we pay you uh, mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars. We're not going to allow you to not be on ESPN when you could be on, uh, uh, and, and we're not going to allow you to be on Fox when you would otherwise be on ESPN period. End of story. So I can't imagine these other leagues, ESPN um, supported leagues, associated leagues are going to be a part of it. Um, the last thing I would say though is um, and I understand your point. You say like uh, it's a bunch of disappointing teams or underachieving teams. I, I would, I, I think this is fair. Like if you're West Virginia and you qualify for this event, you're probably overachieved. You're probably not disappointing relative to what we think you're going to be. Like if you're, um, uh, I'm looking at if you're Georgetown and Ed Cooley in year one and you qualify for this tournament, you probably right. had a good year relative to what most people think you're going to be. Right. So it won't all be disappointing teams because I think disappointing is 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 a relative term. You're only disappointing if you don't reach what you were expected uh, yeah, to Yeah, but I mean, for the most part, you know, while we get into all this and, and podcasts and our listeners are, are on to it, like people just don't care about... Yeah, I would just call them shit teams. I would just say it's going to be 16 <laughs> shit teams out in Las Vegas. Earmuffs to our 12-year-olds who might be listening. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jackson. Uh, hey, by the way, Luke in the chat brings up a good point. And this might sway me just the, the tiniest bit. I would like to see a Shaq coach DePaul team in this tournament. You tell I'll me Shaq's that. coaching DePaul in this, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. So I'll that's a good that. call by Luke in the chat there. But otherwise, uh, this is a whole bunch of who asked for this. And if anything, I almost wonder if it helps accelerate if any tweaks to the NIT need to be needed, need to be done. And by that, I mean, um, and I'm not saying this will happen or it's in discussion to happen, but does the NIT look at itself and say, listen, as much as we liked having 32 teams, maybe this needs to be go down to 24 top eight, get a buy single site thing, the whole thing. And we try and accelerate the the course of this tournament as well to kind of, to, to help it. Cause it is, it, you know, it is, it's lost its luster slowly, but surely over the past four or five decades, at one point in time, young ones, even before Gary Paris's time, the NIT held more prestige than the NCAA tournament. Like it meant more to make the NIT and win the NIT. Granted, that was 60 plus years ago, but slowly but surely, you know, as the NIT has moved its title game away from the garden in the past few years and, and, you know, it, it what North Texas beat UAB and it helped Grant McCaslin. I mean, he would have gotten the Texas Tech job anyway, if they hadn't won the NIT, but and it was, uh, it signified a really good year for CEOSA, but it's, it's become a bit more, at least in perception of being a thing where like mid majors have their opportunity to make their runs. Still anyone that doesn't make the NCAAs is, is eligible and we don't have that many teams turning it down, but I almost wonder if this prompts the NCAA to really look at its NIT model and try and upgrade and, and update it in an effort to, uh, to stave off what might be coming here from Fox. All right. That's as long as we will ever talk about this tournament, even if Love it, it actually, you. even if it actually becomes official. Okay. So, that's a deal. So yeah, that's, that's a deal. deal. That's a promise from me to you and everybody else. One more thing before we get out of here. John Calipari's uh, Kentucky Wildcats program lost another staff member this week. We're going to spend a a few minutes on that next. But first, 
Can I get one more word from our partners? Another break? Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So John Calipari has lost another staff member at Kentucky. It's TJ Beisner, who is the director, was the director of player development at UK. He helped with, among other things, the Wildcats NIL, NIL deals. Um, so this is the second time in 16 months that Calipari has lost a key staff member uh, to a fellow Blue Blood. Last year, he lost Jay Lucas to Duke this yeah. week, officially lost TJ Beisner to North Carolina, where he will serve as the executive director of Tricord Management, according to Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Tricord Management is UNC's university-endorsed collective. Dead leg, big deal or not a big deal for John Calipari in Kentucky? Big deal. Yeah, this is a big deal. Um, we're in an NIL era, and these kinds of positions will become more prominent, even if the – maybe especially so if – what is or is not permitted uh, at an NCAA level with name, image, and likeness continues to grow and maybe get more restrictions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Beisner, by the way, um, I'm sure you did as well. He, you know, he started in media. I mean, he had a yeah, I've known TJ forever. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, we for were a long on time. His... I don't want to say forever. We didn't grow up together, but I've known him for a while. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and a wonderful dude. I mean, just a, a great person, and I love. This is we're going back. Whew. Six, seven, eight years ago, where we were on his uh, his TV show, he did a great job. He would, you know, what he would actually do with me on every single episode. He he would trivia time me. Now he didn't call it trivia time, but he would. He, and I did not know what was coming. It was it was high pressure situations. I got to tell you that. But he did a great job, and uh, and yeah. So he, but he eventually parlayed that into working with Kentucky, and I think he was a significant part of Oscar Shibway deciding to come back to school uh, a year ago, the reigning national player of the year, and now. 
you know, after two years of holding this position, he's going to go and work with North Carolina. He will technically not receive a paycheck from North Carolina. This is a Tricord Management. It's an independent firm outside of that, but they're working hand in hand. There are other arrangements like this uh, around the country with schools and, and management firms that are helping guide the school through NIL. And so, yes, it will be on him to work with the men's basketball program specifically, also help build out North Carolina's men's basketball NIL collective and while you may not have known the name, um, he's obviously highly respected. And another portion of this is he actually has an older son who lives not in the Triangle area, but lives in North Carolina. I, I got a, had a chance to, to catch up with TJ, and he, he said, listen, this is also part of it as well. I'd like to be <laughs> – my wife and I would like to be close to our son. And so it all kind of worked out. Um, and on its face, it doesn't look great for Kentucky to lose a, an assistant coach to one blue blood in North Carolina one year and then lose its person in charge of NIL to another blue blood in North Carolina, you know, 13, 14 months later. But nonetheless, it is what has happened there. And UNC got a, a, a I'll tell you what, I think this stuff matters because when it comes to uh, roster management, either bringing in highly coveted transfers or maintaining guys on your roster uh, and using name, image and likeness to bolster it. I think this means a ton, and I think Hubert Davis recognized how important this was and made the extra effort to absolutely make sure they could get this done. So this is nothing but a very good thing in the broader scope of North Carolina when it comes to you know performance on the court and coaching. That's a whole other deal. This is, this is about trying to set yourself and your program up as best as possible. UNC got an ad. Kentucky got a loss. Now Kentucky's going to have to replace TJ in some form because – you know, this is just this is I'll tell you what, I, I I I tweeted this news out on Monday morning and I did expect some like what's going on here from Kentucky fans. It was more than just what's going on here. There was a lot of like, what the hell is happening right now? We lost this guy after two years. He goes to North Carolina. Um, a couple are like, well, I guess at least it's not Duke, but I'm not happy about it. So uh, we'll see what UK can do to to recover. This is, you know. Certainly inside baseball stuff, but it's two blue bloods and it's a really respected person in the industry. And uh, UNC's ad is is Kentucky's major loss. And we'll see what Calipari does in the coming weeks to replace him, because I think that he absolutely will need to do that to keep up with Kentucky moving forward. Every high major program should have somebody like TJ employed, either directly or indirectly. It's 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 the it's where we're at. And if you're not um, really focused in that space, whether it's transfer portal, NIL deals, how to get creative, um, expanding collectives, like you just that, that's it's going to be hard to compete at the highest level of the sport if you don't have somebody on that literally every day. And if I were I said this when NIL first became a thing and now we're seeing there are some schools that are that are doing it, um, I would have a de facto general manager. You know, you know, my basketball coach would be my basketball coach and my basketball coach would have the most power. Like, you know, he'd be in charge of all decisions, but I would have somebody working on this stuff every single day. And um, and yeah, uh, quite clearly to me, uh, UK will replace TJ with whom I'm not sure, but but certainly with somebody. Um, Kentucky will be fine. John Calabari will be fine. I think that's the most important thing to state. Like, um, I do think losing TJ is. um it's not good, but I do think it's Kentucky and John Calipari and they'll be fine. I do also believe it is notable that John's lost two staff members that he did not want to lose in the past 16 months. And what even makes you 
Because this is the thing that's interesting to me. There was a time where you didn't take somebody away from John Calipari, period. Period. Mm-hmm. Either he could keep them with money or loyalty or just that he's the biggest deal in the sport and how could you ever leave this guy, right? Like, If you wouldn't stay with him for one reason, you might stay with him for another. But like you, you with rare exceptions, like I don't even know how you would even contemplate, hey, there's this guy that works for John Calipari. I wonder if we could hire him. So how do we get to that point where John Shire goes, I bet I could hire somebody off John's staff. Where Hubert Davis goes, I bet I could hire somebody off John's staff. How do you get to that point where they think that's even possible? That's interesting to me. Yeah, I would agree. Um, might be the progression and evolution of the sport and uh, and Kentucky and Cal just not being as dominant uh, across it as it once was. Still very, very prominent, but I, part of it, some of, some of it's that. Also, you've got two, in this instance here, you've got two coaches that had not been head coaches. Uh, they're just new to the game. Like, you know, Hubert Davis had been assistant for a decade and Shire had been there since, what, 15 or so, 2015 or so. So they'd been around it, I guess. But yeah, I, I would agree. That is, uh, that is interesting. And if we had flashed back to, say, 2014, and hard to envision stuff like this happening to, uh, to Kentucky. And I, I would agree big picture i don't you know i don't think this stuff signifies that kentucky's heading for a downturn heck i mean we had kentucky receive a couple of votes to be the best team in the sport this season from from coaches that we just surveyed for for our candid coaches series but uh it's certainly not something you want to see and from the to K- the kentucky perspective i think if you really want to burrow into this and we don't have to go too deep into this because you know there has been some tension between John Calipari and Mitch Barnhart and Kentucky wanting to upgrade and Calipari wanting to upgrade Kentucky's men's basketball facilities and that really not being on deck. And last year he makes the comment about how it's a basketball school, not a football school. There's just seems to be stuff around the Kentucky athletic department that is not inducing um, the best possible environment or, or fostering the absolute greatest relationships. And I think Kentucky fans that are dialed into that literally on a daily basis, see something like this and say, okay, here's the latest sign of why we not, we not, we might not be operating like the well-oiled machine that Calipari Mullins had us operating at. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who f- famously, you know, made the comment once upon a time, like we eat first, the implication yes. being we, yeah. we do what we want to do. Yeah. Right. We, we, everybody else can wait in line. We're Kentucky. We do what we want to do. We get who we want to get. And now other schools are just coming in and taking your staff members. That's just the contrast between those two things is, is notable. I don't know that it's panic time, but it's notable. I, I don't think to, to, to circle back to what you said, you go back to 2014. I don't even think you believe you can even attempt to hire somebody away from John Calipari. And again, these are like, and I know Jay got a different title at Duke, but like he had an option. You want to be an assistant coach at Kentucky or be an assistant coach at Duke? And he decided I want to be an assistant coach at Duke instead of Kentucky. And TJ, and I know there's family stuff here. I get it. But I, how about this? And I don't want to speak for TJ. And perhaps I'm, I'm wrong about this. But there was a whatever pull family might be to North Carolina that, like, that might pull you that direction. I don't think it would have pulled you that direction a different I don't think it would have pulled a different person in that direction years ago. I think that it'd just be like, hey, let me give you some more money. Let me give you a better title. You're not leaving me. I just, I, I find that not, not if I'm a Kentucky fan, time to panic, but I find it interesting that, that people are now coming and saying, hey, you don't have to work there. You can come work for us. 
And multiple people on John's staff have said, that sounds great. Let's do it. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, one small thing as we wrap the show here, uh, I saw it a couple of minutes ago, our CBS colleague, Seth Davis, and heard this was going to be the case, but he's, he's got it from, uh, from sources at this point. Um, he is reporting that the Maui Invitational will stay in Hawaii, but played at, be played at the University of Hawaii. That uh, speculation had been bouncing around for a good two-plus weeks now or so. Uh, obviously, Maui continues to uh, rebuild amidst just an immense, sobering tragedy there with the loss of so many lives and complete and utter destruction of the majority of Lahaina. So um, that area, understandably uh, and expectedly, just does not have the infrastructure to handle everything that comes with hosting one of the premier events in college basketball, but obviously for that region on an annual basis. But they still want to hold it out uh, at Hawaii, albeit on a different island, and it has not been officially announced. Seth Davis has this. Uh, I can't confirm it, but I had been hearing that it is, was likely to be that way. And um, as we get closer to the start of the preseason, we are seeing you know here and there more and more schools just holding exhibitions, schools that have an, an attachment and have played in that tournament a number of times. So if you were curious, literally as we started podcasting this, uh, Seth tweeted that out and um that's the latest we don't have an official announcement but i would think something's going to be coming pretty pretty soon it is a stacked loaded field this year uh even more so than usual for that prestigious bracket among the reasons programs agree to play in the maui invitational is the trip to hawaii it's just like we get to take our team to hawaii take our families to hawaii because coaches will say like i do it because on the way back it actually can like be a drawback for those three, four, five, like the first game after there actually is because of the logistics body class, getting back into it. It's worth quote unquote, chancing a down game or a loss after that because of everything that comes with that trip. Yeah. Right. I think to, you know, we talked about John Calipari on a different subject earlier. Um, I think he has on the record said he'll, he will not go back. Yep. Um, it, it's just, he, he doesn't believe, he believes it's too far and it takes too much of it. Cause it is far, buddy. <laughs> I mean, you get to LA and you still got a long way to go. Yeah. Um, but but uh, most coaches, John, I think most coaches agree with John in that in that boy, it can take a toll on you. But most coaches say anyway, I'm I'm going like it, it's just too good of an experience to pass up. So to take this event and move it from Maui to Las Vegas or South Dakota or uh, Fort Worth, um, like it, you miss you lose the Hawaii part of it. So I like this. Like everybody still gets to go to Hawaii. It's a different island. It's a different venue. But everybody still gets to go to Hawaii. I think this is um, obviously we're dealing with awful circumstances. You just do the best you can under these awful circumstances. And I think moving this event to Honolulu to be played on the same days um, in in the same state, but just a different part of it. Yeah, that's a, a totally sensible and, and, and positive move. Yeah, I think if I'm remembering correctly, I think. The University of Hawaii, I guess I could check this real quick. I don't think it's on the big island. I think it's in Oahu because I think Honolulu is in Oahu. Um, and I don't yeah. know all my Hawaii's as well it, as I probably should. Reminder, the teams that are involved in the Maui Invitational, we talked about it plenty in the past two months because so many of these schools are in our summer shoot around. But you've got what? Purdue, Kansas, Marquette, Gonzaga, Tennessee, Chaminade's in it. Syracuse UCLA are the eight teams that are in it. And uh, yeah, University of Hawaii is in Oahu uh, in Honolulu. So there we have it. That's a show, GP. It's a real shame about Aaron Rodgers, though, you know. And well, 
I'm more concerned about my Bears at this point, but yeah. They are terrible. Ah, man. Got the Bucks this week. That was week. rough stuff. But you know what? This may this may well here be the last uh, my last pod as I head off to Iceland. So um, that might be a blessing for me. I don't even know if I'm going to for sure. Although I will say this. I will say this. I went to the cable company on Friday, mm. dropped my stuff off. I get there five minutes before it opens. I'm the fourth guy in line. Hey, listen, if you're debating doing this, I highly recommend it. I got YouTube TV. It's incredible. I, I, I completely endorse it. What the hell took me so long? The whole deal. I should have done this years ago. But if you do this and you and and I didn't want to deal with talk, being on hold for 90 minutes, two hours. Right. I was just like, let me just go drop all this stuff off in person. Talk to a human being. It's going to be easier. And it was. But I will recommend this. If you have a place in your area where you can return, it's a reasonable drive where you can go and return all this stuff. If you make the switch, get there before it opens, because I got there five minutes before it opens. I was the fourth person in line. By one minute after it opened, there had been 13 people in line and it takes, you know, like 10 to 15 minutes per person. So that those people were, were then doomed to wait for a good two hours to get it done. So get there early, YouTube TV. And now if I want to watch my Bears be terrible, you can watch it on your phone wherever you want. So it's a major, major advantage there. And I went and I, I got the Sunday ticket. So if I can help you out, GP, and repay the favor, just let me know. I've already subscribed. 450 I got the promo. I got the promo deal. So I had to pay straight four fifty. I, I think you're good for it. So, so regardless on that. But, uh, but yeah, why I, you think? Why you think we're doing two words from our partners now? Then there you go. Uh, yeah, something like something. I like got to pay for this Sunday ticket. They you know the yeah. Sunday ticket. It don't, it don't grow on trees, you know. No, I hear you, but it's no. I I, I definitely uh, enjoy it, and YouTube too was a was a major major ad. Thank you to everyone who in recent months sent some Iceland recommendations. I have those jotted down. Uh, I will be back to podcast later this week if we have news that necessitates it. But otherwise, uh, your boy might be going off the grid here for a couple of weeks. Congratulations on that and YouTube TV. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening and watching Eye on College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify, more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments, so go knock that out. We will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. Throw the ball to DJ Moore. You traded a first-round pick. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus.